That's right. It is a two podcast day. Uh, we are doing a draft profile, releasing it early for you guys. Today, we're talking about Edouard Charlet, Czech player who was teammates with David Juracek in the World Juniors this winter. And we're talking about that with Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey here on today's Locked on Blue Jackets. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you news, stories, the good, the bad and the ugly about your favourite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Like I said at the top of the show, we are doing a special two-episode day today uh, because I am travelling tomorrow and I might not have time to get one out, so we're going to do an evening show and uh, that is going to be a draft profile that is... uh, Something I recorded last week with Sammy Gilligan of McKean's Hockey that I really, really enjoyed and I'm excited to share with you guys. Uh, it's about Edward Charley. Check forward. Uh, could he be available for the Blue Jackets with their shiny new second first round pick of this draft? We're going to talk about that and more. So I'm just going to get right into my conversation with Sam because he is much better at this and smarter than I am. Let's hope the ice storm doesn't knock out my power. God, I hope so. <laughs> okay, let's go. Um, the Blue Jackets are pretty much set to have a top five pick, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But with the trade deadline coming up, talk that they're going to get a first-round pick for Vladislav Gavrikov. They might pick up another first-round pick with Jonas Korpisala. Whether that trade happens... I thought it would be time to look at maybe a couple of depth guys in the in the draft and see who they could possibly get with their second potential first round pick. And uh, with the success that they have had with Czech players in the last couple of drafts, I thought, hey, let's look at someone who was also on that World Juniors team that had a pretty good tournament. So I've got Sam McGilligan here, uh, expert scout and a uh, very smart human to come and talk about uh, Edward Charley, who is probably the top Czech player in the draft and is almost definitely going to go in the first round. The only argument seems to be where he's going to go. Yes. Uh, Edward Charley has such a ridiculously wide range of where he can go in the draft to the point where I actually don't even know where to hazard a guess. Like right now... According to Bob's last list, he was around the mid first. I think might he might have even been challenging for the top ten in that I last. I believe Bob McKenzie has him twelfth at the minute. That sounds about right. Okay, so he has him about twelfth. The general consensus seems to be that he's still lurking in that like eight to fifteen range. I think this opinion is going to drop by the next like massive edition of rankings coming out, especially with the next Bob McKenzie one. Um, shall I? started the season off already coming in on like a high momentum ride. Cause he had a really effective D minus one season. He was one of the better looking prospects coming into the year. He was looked at as a top 10 contender. He had a terrific Halinka tournament, which is always a good way to start the year. You definitely don't lose top 10 status if you're coming in with it and then start strong. And then he went to club play and he was absolutely fantastic. First seven or eight games. I believe he scored in each game. 
or was roughly seven or eight points in those games. He was making all sorts of awesome complex passes around the offensive zone and pro league. He looked really, really good and really good at weaponizing space and capitalizing on it. And then he kind of went a little cold. And this coldness has lasted all year almost to the point where he still has only 11 points in 39 games when he started with like five and seven. That's a pretty rough stretch to go. Yeah. Is it, that, do you, do you think that kind of is more the player that he is? Like, obviously it's tough to say, but is I, he a five and seven guy or is he a, he's both stretch guy. He's both, but there's, I think there's a reason for why he had the production fall off the way that it is. And it's part of it is that like, he's just not a quick player. Like he is, very not fleet of foot. Let's let's put it that way. There, he is super smart, especially in those small area engagements when pressure is coming in and there's not a lot of momentum. Like he can really use his hands and create just about any lane you can think of from there. But like at the same time, when you're going up against pro players who are terrific athletes, like doesn't matter what league it is. Like if you're going up against pros, you can count that they're athletic and they'll hit you, and it'll hurt. He's got, he can draw guys in and just barely escape around them. And his hands look incredible and he can really kind of get people going. But pros figured that they can just start like really pressuring him and be like, no, I'm just going to keep hitting you because you can't escape. And he kind of can't escape. So this was part of the problem. It's not the major one, but it's part of why when Shale gets the puck, he's not been as efficient with the touches. A lot of them are now just like simple passes, which there's nothing wrong with, but it also is just like that a lot of players can make those passes. What makes Charlie so interesting is like that small area creativity, general open ice creativity as well. It's just, or I guess you could just summarize it as creativity and the skill in the hands and some of the plays he can just kind of set up and you can see the vision and the way he moves off the puck after making them. Like he sees the game, like a guy who has top six potential. The other problem, the bigger problem is that he can never get to the puck because he's too slow. <laughs> And I don't mean this as like he makes up for this by just like he's coasting around the ice and like kind of doesn't look like he's putting in a lot of effort, but then he strikes at the right time. Like there are slower players who make up for it like that. Like they really know their timing windows. Shale plays like he can get to every puck. Shale misses a lot of these pucks. He, he is, and as a result, he's kind of the dude who shows up half a second too late to the new play or to the play which means when it's time to go with a new play, he's getting there slower because the cost of going in early is that you have to, you have to waste that time getting back and he's not really picking his chance. Like he does. Sometimes he picks his chances. Other times you just kind of see him chasing the puck around. Sometimes it's like this weird blend of a bunch of different things, but all of it can be summarized, but by still just, he doesn't get the puck a lot. Like we've tracked data. Will has tracked data. I tracked one of his games as well this year, actually. And it was not very active. There was just not a whole lot going on. In the early games, I remember watching, he was terrific with the, he was terrific with a lot of metrics in turn, uh, in terms of getting transitions, completing passes, getting slot passes, just showing such a wide range of solutions to problems and getting really good results from it. 
and it's all kind of tapered off. The data shows it, the eye test shows it. And then when you're looking as to why it's like, well, there's kind of a clear reason teams are just like, okay, Shale's on the ice, just play with pace. And the guy can't kind of keep up. Like, don't give him time to do anything. Just make a decision to make him move his feet. And he's almost always behind the play as a result. I've got more of my conversation with Sam about Charlotte, but first I've got to tell you about Built Bar because I don't know about you, but I am a, a gremlin person and I am always on the lookout for delicious treats, but I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. So the best thing that I can do is go and grab a Built Bar. But what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. They taste exactly like a candy bar uh, and only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with 17 grams of protein per bar. And now you don't need to waste around to get a box. You can go to Walmart or Sam's Club, grab a Built Bar right there from the pharmacy section. Or you can go to Built.com. They still have that. Uh, if you don't have a Walmart or a Sam's Club near you, they have a bunch of different incredible flavors that are not available at Walmart or Sam's Club either. But if you are close enough, then I recommend just stopping by. You don't have to wait for them. You can just eat them in the car on your way home. Again, like me, like a gremlin person, you can thank me later. Uh, there's a chance, there's, it'd be, there's a possibility that when I'm watching some of this, this is kind of like some bias because I'm looking for it. But I'm not the only person who kind of sees this. And the other concern and the final one that kind of ties it all up into a bow as to why there's like an actual red flag with him. Is he doesn't really have the same set of hands when he's in motion. So even if he theoretically gets faster and like can start getting to all these pucks, you also need him to really bring this handling skill up to complement his skating. Part of the reason why his handling is so poor right now is because his skating is poor. They'll kind of like fix each other a little bit, but not to the extent that you hope. So there's going to have to be a lot of additional work in there to like really capitalize on how smart he is and how good he can be with the hands compared like when he's in a small area. Like he's skillful and smart in a way that like does earn him top 10 consideration in just that spot of the ice. But the rest of it right now is it's a huge, scary site. And if you can't offer the rest in the NHL, you're just going to get mowed down or just kind of ignored or, and then I don't know, you just kind of like go down a path where you're not who you are as a player. And if you're not who you are as a player, then why are they even giving you ice time? You're just like yeah. downgraded into random replacement area. Then why you? Why not someone else who has higher potential? So it's a mixed bag. Someone could easily come on here and argue the complete opposite, not in terms of like him being kind of slow, him not really being too skilled in motion sometimes, him kind of being half a second to a lot of plays, but they could definitely argue like that it's not a concern aspect. They fully believe it'll all work itself out because of ABC. I'm not there yet. So I'm still of the skeptical side of things. This could change, especially if there's like a really good stretch at the end of the year and he shows it can kind of come back. I'd be very willing to be like, okay, way back up you go. Not way back up, but like mid first territory. He's really good. 
when he's at his best and he does have like like that type of thinking that like you when you're watching them you're like that's how a top six forward just kind of plays like you don't have to teach them how to become one like if he's if it all translates over he will just play in that role that's the type of player he is so yeah yeah that kind of leads into what i was going to ask next which is do you think this is something that is kind of Will it work itself out? Is this something that he will, you know, stick him in the AHL for a year, stick him in, you know, send him back to Sweden, uh, to Sweden, send him back to Czechia, send him to the CHL for a season? Is this something that kind of you think it will work itself out? Because I feel like there's sometimes there's things that you can improve with a player and then there's things that you can't. Like sometimes a player just doesn't have like hockey IQ, I think is a big one. You can't teach that. It's better to start with a smart player that I think has physical limitations than it is to start with an incredibly athletic player that has, I don't want to say mental limitations because that sounds bad, but you can't teach as much as you can teach skating, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the way I always view it is just like playing hockey, like just the sport itself and that's most simple uh, addition and doing so with pace requires to be really smart like just processing all the right time. And you can tell when a guy is just not fast enough for the NHL in terms of like decision-making or there's just like that extra second. Or, and then there's also like, sometimes you just can't teach a player to come up with like the crazy high level solutions to stuff. Shalate isn't so insane with some of the stuff that he could pull off to the point where I'm like, I will bet on you all day, every day. But he also does play the entire season and check pro 39 games so far there's actually only 43 potential ones in the season so he's basically done for the season um it's kind of tough to show off what you can do i don't actually know where his team is in the standings i feel like there hasn't just been a lot of reasons to follow the league too much this year but just looking at the standings if I can ever find them. Uh, his team is 10th out of 14. They're not really having the best of seasons. They're not, actually, they're not that bad. They are 22 and 23. Okay, so just or under 16 and 23. Sorry, that's what it is. 16, 23. I don't know. Never mind. I'm misreading the standings. There's extra cat. They have overtime wins and losses and stuff. I'm not paying attention to them. Regardless, they're an okay team, but they're not the best environment. He might be reliant to do too much on his own and not have the physical limitations to show it. It's an environment that would put a player like Edward Chalet in a situation where he might have to do too much. And as a result, there's too much pressure on him. In those situations, players like that often have extremely mixed results where some of them will have fantastic years and put up against or like defeat the odds. And everyone be like, this is that awesome player that everybody is talking about. There's a like, look at the adversity he's worked through this year. And then there's a kid who is like in the exact same situation two years later with like two variables changed, which is all it took for him to have a shitty year, even though he was just as good, like normally. And if they're in the same environment, they'd have been the same skill and everyone will dog him. And there's a very, there's a lot of possibilities as to like what happens with these players and why they're having the season they are. 
when you want to bet on smart, you bet on smart. Chalet is smart. He's the type of smart that you can't often teach. And there are players I have ranked ahead of him who I know aren't as smart. This, the counter to this argument right now is that this draft is nuts. This draft is insane. You don't have to put yourself in a position because the risk of taking Edward Shale and the reward you get from it, it could pay off. You can take Edward Shale at 13 and it won't be a bad gamble and it can pay itself off. But it's like, what did you give up? Sometimes fans look at this and like, we took 13 and, you know, 14, 15 and 16 were all bad. But it's like, okay, but there was like eight other players who were picked after them who are all amazing, who also could have been picked in that selection and like really shouldn't have fallen and were very safe players. Like, I think there's a very high chance a guy like Riley Height could fall through the draft for whatever reason. He's 5'11". He can sometimes be a little floaty, but he's sensational talent. He plays with a lot of pace when it is time to like, you know, go, go, go. He does everything super high pace. He's super smart. He's defensively responsible. He gets middle ice perimeter. He's just like, he, I, I can, I'm not going to turn this into a Riley Hay podcast, but like, he's fantastic for a lot of different reasons. He would be an equally valid pick in that range. He has risk baked into the selection himself, but as a reward that is also worthy of a top 10 pick. And you don't have to worry about, multiple things having to take a step forward for Shale like or like it is with Shale for that upside to come around when Riley Height is out there just obliterating pucks and just being an awesome player, supporting line mates, getting pucks into the middle. And he has less that he needs to improve on. He basically kind of just needs to be more active and kind of put all that part together. But it's all there in isolation. So do you teach a dude who's smart and everything, can do everything, shows he can do everything, and has what seems like a fixable problem of like sometimes he's not moving his feet enough? Or do you take the dude who literally can't move his feet fast enough and as a result has caused a chain reaction of problems that like is limiting him? And both of them have the same kind of payoff. It's like, where do you take these guys? In a minute, I'm going to finish up my conversation with Sam about Charlie. But first, I've got to tell you about Indeed, because no matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because they are the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to go to a bunch of different places. And you are guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. And if you don't, you don't have to pay. Instead of sending hours on multiple job sites, helping to find candidates with the right skills, Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. They've got great time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match. They've got assessments. They've got virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply immediately. Plus, you only pay for applications that meet your requirements. I have been unlucky enough to have to job hunt a couple of times over the past year or so, and Indeed is the only place I use. So I don't know why it's the only it's not the only place that hiring people use. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked on. Offer is valid through March 31st. That is indeed.com slash locked on to claim a $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think it probably comes down to like the team itself 
and you know what the blue jackets value in a player and i feel like the blue jackets have a very specific like the blue jackets draft a lot of forwards that i feel like are all very similar they go you know they have a style they have a brand um they have a brand. And that brand is kind of kent johnson of you know maybe not the best player in the world but has tons of skill and so i don't know that charlie necessarily fits into the blue jackets draft plans but do you think he fits into the lineup as it stands yes like, could you see him playing with any blue jackets oh yeah absolutely chalet is just like something that i do wonder is like chalet is smart he's the type of smart and he benefit like he's the type of player that might benefit from smaller ice because he's really smart he can get off puck or sorry, you can get open off puck. And when you're able to make reads on the same wavelength as guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Ken Johnson and them, you can get open. All he needs is to just like a really valuable second with the puck to do the right thing. And it can get to a line mate in space. It can get to them when they're in, in stride and get them into them. Uh, get a puck through to the slot. There are a ton of different ways that Shala could help around this lineup doesn't always have to be in a play like play driving role like you can just draft a good player who helps out in other ways and can kind of still play in your second line even if he's more of like the third option there's nothing like inherently wrong with it whatsoever and he does kind of fit with columbus's style of their bit heavy feet the skating kind of limits some stuff as a result, but he's really smart. He's kind of really skilled at times. He can kind of really pull off some pretty nighty plays. He's really smart at like reading bodies and manipulating them, escaping pressure. These highs all kind of work together in the exact same way that I could see Columbus looking at Ken Johnson, Cole Sillinger, Cole Sillinger and going like, I like the best of that guy's game. We can fix the rest of it. And I could totally see them doing it. It just depends on like, where that pick they get in the hypothetical uh, trade at the deadline. Like you'd be taking them with that pick. I think if you take them sooner than that, you have the first likely first, second or third pick in another one. Yes. Uh, so currently they just have the their own pick, but okay. in theory, they are going to have the first round pick that they get for Vladislav Gabrikov, which might be Boston's. So that could end up being, you know, 31 or 32. At that point, if you can get Chalet, it's like it's a huge win. There still might be a better player like Gavin Brindley available, but... um... Spoilers for future episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh... (laughs) Um, You could... You can never say anything bad about the team that takes Edward Shale at 31, 32. Right. Like, it, you need to pass on something, like, absurd. Like, Axel Sandin Pelica somehow still being on the board. Or Will Smith somehow falling through the whole draft. That's kind of, like, what it would take. Like, something like that. Like, Andrew Crystal or Zach Benson somehow falling through the whole draft. Like, if you take Edward Charlie over that, you deserve to be yelled at. But if, like, other than that, it doesn't take much to start being able to argue him as a big guy, as a big player there. Personally, I think there's safety in other picks and similar upside. Maybe not the same top six upside, more skill style, but can still level of impact terms of upside that exists. And just 
quite a few players that you'll be able to get in that range. So you can still make the argument for them. I might make the argument for them at that point. But also at the same time as 31, I might be more willing to be like, man, I don't know. This could be a home run swing. Screw it. Yeah, I feel like once you hit... I don't know, it's different because this draft is so insane, but I feel like, in my experience of paying attention to the draft anyway, once you hit, like, 25, anything after that being a success is like, hey, money in the bank, you know? Yeah, so you can go for the safety. Yeah. Where do you have Shiloh ranked? I know we talked about this uh, a little bit off mic, but... 28. 28, apparently. Yeah, so that feels like that's right in that range of where the blue jackets are likely if this trade with boston goes through which it might not you know it's still all very up in the air we are recording this uh wednesday february 22nd i don't know when it's gonna air but you know it could things could change i wouldn't be surprised if they trade him while i'm recording because that's how this works (laughs) as it stands right now if boston is likely going to be in that kind of 26 to 30 32 range so Charlie, not out of the realm of possibility for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset. No, like there's... I said, we've had we've had success with Czech players. David Juracek had a monster World Champion. Uh, World David Juracek is Had a uh, an even better World Juniors, maybe. I think th- those two guys were just. I think lights out so you know they have had success with czech players before i wouldn't be mad if they had i think this will be the fourth draft in a row that they would draft a czech player if they end up getting charlie which is uh which is fun yeah that is actually a lot of fun really like it i I like it when players have friends on the team already because i am at heart sentimental you know (laughs) and it helps for them too it it does man they're they're young players it's probably really scary even if a lot of them would tell you it's not just like a lot of like, holy crap, what am I walking into? Like, I just don't know. Right. Like I'm and, moving to another country. I don't speak the language super well. Oh, at least I have someone else that speaks. Yeah. Like that. Czech it's here. huge when it's a European player coming over. The cultural difference is massive. Yeah. We don't realize so, because we live here, but like it's, it's massive. Yeah. Even as someone who like, I speak the language. And even at me going over to America or Canada, and I'm still a little bit like, whoa, things yep. are things are different and scary here, you know. And I am I am English and in my thirties, and I am still a bit scared of of the culture difference. So I imagine for an eighteen year old who English is probably not his first language, I imagine it probably does help to have someone who speaks his language in the organization, even not necessarily even in the locker room. So, yeah, like I said, I would not be mad if Charlie ends up being a Blue Jacket. Um, I think that could be a, a sneaky, fun pick. Yep. Cool. I am going to hit stop here and then start us going again for yep. Brindley, just so I don't have to edit too much. And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, like I said, there likely will not be a show tomorrow because I am traveling. Uh, we'll be back with you on Monday with uh, a breakdown of all of the trade deadline madness. We'll talk about the games this weekend and uh, we'll have we'll have some fun with it. We'll do a, a mailbag show as well. So if you have questions for the mailbag, you can at me on Twitter, underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can at 
the show Twitter, LO underscore bluejackets. You can email them to lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. You can direct message them to me on Twitter. You can comment on uh, YouTube. Just comment underneath this video if you have a question, and I will get to it on Monday's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms. We are over on YouTube. If you haven't hit subscribe there yet, then please feel free to do so. It helps me out. It helps you out. Everybody wins. And until Monday, make sure you stay locked on.